Trevor Zegris edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. We're back, folks, with a lot of news to get into and one news item in particular that has a lot of Ducks fans really excited, which we will get into. We're going to go over, we're going to go over everything that's happened in the last week of the Anaheim Ducks, the games that happened against the Sharks, the Minnesota Wild, Adam Henrique being placed on waivers, and of course, the news that broke earlier today, Sunday, Trevor Zegris being called up finally to Anaheim. Jake, how are you feeling right now? I feel like this if you're a Ducks fan, this week was just kind of like an emotional roller coaster. So, you've seen uh Anchorman, right? Uh, no, I haven't. Wow. Just not even no selling. Well, everyone out there definitely has because it's a classic and you're weird for not having seen it. But I'm essentially <laughs> Will Ferrell in Anchorman saying I'm in a glass cage of emotion, screaming, <laughs> not not really knowing what to do. My feelings are all over the place. The from going from the Ducks actually playing a decent game against San Jose to them being absolute trash against the wild to Adam Henrique being waived and everything going on with that and the anger and the acceptance and all of these different things <laughs> that are going on. And then you also have a situation with the Ducks bringing up Trevor Zegris. And this is the moment we've been waiting for the moment we've speculated on. We've wondered, are the ducks going to do this? Are they actually going to bring them up? Are they going to keep them down the entire year? What's going to happen here? And it's finally happened. The ducks, Bob Murray finally, I guess, realized, I don't know. We'll get into kind of some of our, uh, our logic, our reasonings, our thought process there. Cause there's a whole lot that we could go over and talk about with that. And don't worry, folks, we will, we will get to all the Zegras talk. We will get all to all the Henrique talk. You probably will get a rant from me with Henrique. Don't worry for everyone out there wanting an angry rant. That's probably a coming. So <laughs> a whole lot of emotions, a whole lot coming. This is going to be a big episode for everyone. This is one, Felix, you and I were talking about it today. This is a big episode. There's a, I'm not sure if we've had one with this much news, this much important news for the Ducks to cover. And one way I was actually, today was my dad's birthday. And so I kind of drove by to see him and, um, He's obviously a big Ducks fan, but this season has turned him off just with kind of how the team's played. And he just hasn't been paying attention. And, and, and so he he follows the team, but obviously nowhere near in near as depth as I do. And so I mentioned him that Trevor Zegers got recalled. And I was trying to kind of put it into work and explain it kind of how big of a deal this probably is. I would say this is up there with Paul Correa's first game for the Ducks. I mean, it, it could have that magnitude. I mean, Trevor yeah. Zegers is their best prospect since, you know, fill in the blank. It's been a long time since they've had a prospect of that offensive caliber in particular because they've had really good prospects. You know, John Gibson comes to mind, but it's just different when it's a potential offensive star. Uh, it just has a different feel and gravitas than when it's a goalie or a defenseman. It just does. It's not to take anything away from those guys. So yeah, the fan base does seem really energized. Just kind of looking through my mentions today. Uh, I think people, you know, I I'm happy for ducks fans because I do think that they've had it really tough this season. And if we're being honest, the last three years, uh, it's not just this season. This season is just more like, uh, you know, the crescendo, so to speak. And so I think yeah. that this was a long time coming, just some kind of positive, and um, I'm happy to hear that, you know, people like your dad have a reason to, to tune in and, and to see what this guy can do on the ice. 
Yeah, definitely. And so it, it's an exciting time. There, there's a lot to cover, though, with this. So you want to just yeah. really, really quickly, yeah. let, let's kick it off and let's recap this game or these games. And then we will get to kind of the Henrik news. Yeah. So the biggest, I mean, kind of the biggest theme going into this week was that the Ducks were playing a better brand of hockey as of late. They had had two solid performances against uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, actually one one of those games, and that was in Vegas. And of course, as everyone is aware of, the Ducks do tend to really struggle when they play over in Vegas. And so that was a big deal. You know, you had Aikens talking about expected goals earlier in the week. It just felt like this team was kind of trending in the right direction. But of course, going into this slate of games, in particular the Wild Series, one of the big reservations that we had had about the Ducks' improved play was that, you know, how much of this was a product of the fact that they're playing teams like the LA Kings, like the SJ Sharks over and over, and how much of it was them actually improving. And I feel like we kind of got an answer to that this week. So in game one of the week, Monday night, which by the way, we did a, a broadcast for, I almost said podcast, but I'm going to hold that one back. I'm going to hold that one back. I know you love that one. Um, <laughs> so the Ducks played the Sharks and they dropped that one three to two. And I mean, look, this was another game for the Ducks where they played pretty solid. I mean, if you look just at shot attempts, it was 56 44 in favor of Anaheim. They, they had so many opportunities at five on five. Isaac Lundestrom um, could easily have had uh, three goals in this game and he just flubbed opportunities or missed the net. Just you know, it, it just felt like one of those games where the Ducks were a bit snake snake bitten. And that was something that they had talked so much about was finding ways to finish chances off, not being content with just having a lot of chances. And so they dropped that one. Very disappointing. Um, a lot of defensive mistakes, you know, maybe, um, <laughs> maybe John, just m- maybe John Gibson kind of yep. looking like he's taking a human. bit of a step back. He's looking human. And, well, and I mean, he, human, human, like what, what is human? Is human average goalie? Yeah, and so because, he was below average in that game. I mean, he mm-hmm. should have allowed two goals, and he allowed three goals. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's that simple. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, looking at this game, though, that's that's the story to me, is that John Gibson wasn't really good enough for them to win it on his own. Um, and then in terms of the offense, not a lot of finishing. But overall, I know this was a really disappointing loss, but it still felt... Like, hey, this is another step kind of in the right direction for the Ducks. Yeah, it 100% was a, I I think a game where even though they lost, this was the first game where I think Ricard Raquel looked outstanding. This was his best game of the season. Um, And and so I think that there were a lot of positives to be taken away. And the the conversation after this game was, first off, uh, Dallas Akins even mentioned expected goals in his press conference the next day, which was, I think, was a big deal for you and me. And he was right that he had basically mentioned, if you look at expected goals, they had seen improved play over their last uh, six games or so. And he was correct. The issue is four of those six games were against three or one of them was against LA. Three of those were against the sharks. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much you want to take away the golden Knights game. While yes, they, they played okay. They were above 50% in the second game of that series. It was very low event and they were still struggling to generate. And so that that's where going into the wild series, I was really interested to see if this was actually improved play or if this was going to be a situation where it was simply the ducks playing weaker opposition. And that's where it came from. So we would get our answer though. Yes, we did. We 100% got our answer. Um, 
you know, the, the first game against the Wild, so the Ducks would drop that one three to one. I thought that in the opening period, they looked okay. I, I don't know. I, I, I put that out on Twitter and I got, got some pretty serious pushback for even, you know, insinuating that the Ducks were playing well, uh, despite being down two to nothing on the score sheet. But if you look at the five on five numbers, I mean, in terms of shot attempts, 16 to 14, they won the, the scoring chance battle. Um, you know, it really felt especially like the first half of the of the first period that they were really pressing the issue, getting good shifts, getting, you know, offensive looks. The big thing, though, was that the Ducks were so far behind in terms of shots on goal. Um, I mean, in the first period, they only had three shots. And, you know, I wasn't as concerned about that because, hey, they had 16 shot attempts. And so, or I guess overall 18 shot attempts, if you factor in special teams, so it felt like, hey, you know, looks bad, but there's at least something there. They've showed us enough in the previous games to where I'm giving them the slight benefit of the doubt. And instead, what kind of happened is they just, they, they they couldn't build off of that. They regressed. They couldn't generate anything really after that against um, against the Wild. I mean, they they only had they only had two scoring chances from high danger areas at, at five on five in the second period. They didn't allow any, but it just didn't feel like the ducks were ever really in it afterwards. And that's despite Sam Steele, who, by the way, I tweeted, he needs to go back to the AHL and within seconds, he scored a goal. Yep, uh, that's how it works. How you it know, works. I, I I'm still not backing down from that take, but he, he made me look pretty bad in the moment. He must've, he must've read my mind, but yeah, I mean, a nice backhand goal for him. Um, and look, his numbers have been okay since he got scratched. It's not like, he's necessarily playing awfully but anyway the the ducks would drop this one and it just kind of felt like a very flat performance very low event game yep um and of course i mean i think the big takeaway from this game and this is something that got talked so much about in the following days was the infamous five on three where the ducks had a five on three and just could not get anything going i mean couldn't even get the puck into into the slot couldn't work it around the perimeter nothing was clicking and it was an extended five on three it wasn't like just kind of a, a you know a, a 10 20 second five on three and so a lot of questions did not go unanswered in this game you know people who thought hey okay you know th- this team is only looking good because they're playing with competition well i think that they got fuel for their fire um people who yep. thought that this team just isn't good they got fuel for their fire so th- there was something for everybody in this game, but it was not trending in the right direction. For Yeah, them. this, I think, answered some of the questions that we had in the negative fashion, though, of, yeah. yes, it, it was the, the weaker competition. And and so one of the, the other newsworthy worthy things come out of this game is Hampus Lindholm left the game hurt in yep. the third period, which leaves a big hole and in the, the left side. And the Ducks got shelled in his absence. Yep, and so going into the next game, obviously, Henrique was waived. Prior to that, we'll get into more of that conversation. There's a big conversation we had there. So he yes. was out of the lineup, and Josh Mahura was actually recalled and took the spot of uh, Hampus Lindholm in the the second game on uh, what would that have been Saturday, Saturday night? Saturday night. Yep. So going to Saturday night's game, I mean, you talked about it, but Josh Mahura called up uh, in Hampus Lindholm's absence. Hampus Lindholm is not on IR. He will travel with the team to Arizona. Uh, tomorrow or I guess tonight by the time you're listening to this so we don't necessarily know how severe it is Aiken said that something got irritated it sounds like it might be a a muscular thing not like a 
a broken bone or anything like that. So kind of hard to say what's really going on there. Um, the yeah. Ducks, and the Ducks aren't really letting anything on. And it seems like they're trying to really kind of play coy a bit. I mean, Josh Maher was added back to the taxi squad today, which is a situation where they're doing it to essentially create cap space in the sense. So I wouldn't read too much into that for people out there that are, are seeing Josh Maher added to the taxi squad. And that means he's out of the lineup necessarily. They could easily call him back up tomorrow and he'll be in the lineup. And you may, we may have more word from that. And especially if Lindholm is out, Josh Maher will definitely be, yeah. uh, will be in. So uh, what are your kind of big takeaways from this game? Because I mean, this was yet another game that followed up the, the first game and really kind of followed the same narrative in a way of, the Ducks came out really flat. They really looked bad in this game, especially in the first period. They maybe had a good stretch for a little bit in the second period where they generated chances, and Josh Maher ended up getting a shot on net that tipped off of David Backus and found the back of the net. And so kind of what were your overall takeaways from this game? Uh, it's, you know, watching this game and the way they came out in that first period and all of the things that they've been saying all week about you know, having the right intentions, playing with aggression, not letting, not waiting for the game to come to you, all these different things that they've been harping on for the last couple of weeks. And then to watch them come out with that flat of an effort. Now, of course, it bears mentioning that there is another team out there and the Minnesota Wild. I know this is a shock to some people, but they're not a bad team at all. They, there's I, a lot, there's a lot of talent. You and I both had them at what third in the West per our preseason rankings. Yeah, I mean, solidly in the playoffs. The, but the point is that the Ducks, of course, they can do everything right, but there's still another team out there. And this kind of will get to, I think, my biggest takeaway of the night is that, look, the Ducks pushed back after the first period. If you look at the numbers, look, they, I mean, shot attempts in the second period were 23 to 8. And David Back has talked a little bit about this after the game, that there was a pushback. There were They were doing some of the right things, but it just didn't matter because every time they would make a mistake, it, it would end up in the back of the net. I mean, they gave up five goals in this game. I didn't think that John Gibson looked, he didn't look any good. I mean, in this oh. one, he, 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 yeah, he got tested. He faced some high danger opportunities, but if you look at all situations, you know, the, the ducks expect the goals against was 2.96 on natural statric and they allowed five. So he just, he didn't, he didn't really do them any favors. I'm not saying he was the reason that they lost, but I just feel like when you come out that poorly, it's just very difficult to come back well, when you're a team like the Ducks that doesn't have a ton of scores. Yeah, and and one thing I would qualify kind of your statement is with the with the shot attempts. Well, yes, no doubt the the shot attempt battle was pretty good. And same thing with the expected goals in the second period. The one thing is there are score effects. And, and granted, yeah, well, that's the thing. They, they were having to play like that was a back against the wall type of yeah. reaction. That was not a okay. Now all of a sudden the Ducks systems. Yeah, are, are exactly. really just just clicking and, and humming and whirring. Like if you look at high danger chances in the first period, the Ducks were out chance 7-0. Like yeah. that's how many they're now up to probably almost five periods this season where they have zero high danger chances at five on five. And like that, that's a very troubling sign. Um, and so kind of watching this game, just sitting there, seeing it happen, seeing it unfold. And look, there were some decent performances. I think Max Jones has looked really solid as of late. I mean, he had some really good underlying numbers, but more than that, just watching him play, he's crashing the net. He's trying crazy moves one-on-one. -on -one. He's chirping away between whistles. Like he's just an irritant out there. And I think he brings a good energy and it translates statistically, um, you know, and there were some okay performances here and there, but 
it just got to the point where you kind of just realize, you know, this team, the talent disparity is just too great. The, 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 I know that people still look at names like Cam Fowler, Ryan Getzloff, Jakob Silverberg, uh, go down the list and think, yeah, this team has enough talent to be a playoff team. And the fact of the matter is that even if they had maybe a coach that would get more out of them or that they were producing more, were not suffering from as, as much uh, lack of puck luck, I still just think that this team is fundamentally not good enough to be a playoff contender. Well, and and maybe that's harsh, but what have they shown to to really prove otherwise? Yeah, I mean this we've we've said it a bunch. This roster doesn't have a first line and the issue that comes along with that and we'll get into this conversation more when we get to Adam Henrique is you're putting guys into position to fail. They are getting matched up against top uh defense pairings from other other teams when in reality they would potentially get a little bit of a softer matchup. And so with that tougher matchup, sure, you might want to see them excel and thrive with, with the tougher matchup. But I mean, you also have to put into reality that these players just aren't that good. Like that that's not necessarily even meant to be a knock on them per se. That's just simply the reality of the situation that these players are not first liners. That's not what they are. That's not the position they be, should be putting in yet. This is where they are being put in, put into uh, by the by the ma- by management, by the coaching staff, by a lot of different things. And the bummer out of all of this is that they're getting called out by management as being not being good enough. When in reality, the the situation is is that management has put them in a position to fail, not succeed. And that's on management. That's on coaching. And that should not be put on the players as much as it is. And that is one of my big frustrations. I think with kind of the quotes that we've gotten of late, outside of just Adam and Reek, there's been a lot of calling out the veterans on on the roster and saying they've underperformed and sure they, they have. have they, they have like, like they, no they doubt have. about it they, they haven't have. been good enough yeah. they have but my my kind of point in this is that putting that on them isn't necessarily completely fair because the management of this team has put them in a spot to where they would underperform well they also given- yeah well, well the, the, that's the thing is these guys are not like if you are relying upon them to be first liners they just aren't that yeah they haven't been that in a while yeah. and all you really have to do is like take a peek at the numbers the last couple of years to tell you that like you don't even have to be a statistical maven you just have to take a peek like yeah. look at it look at the war timeline charts that we look at yep yep uh, exactly so, so i i think yeah. i think to kind of final <laughs> takeaways from from this wild game to circle it, back to it it, it was a it, like i just want to close it out i just before you go ahead that this felt like a breaking point type game yeah because this reminded me a lot of games we've seen in the past I think back to those, I think, was it a Dallas game for Carlisle where it felt like the team just lost it that game. Like there was just something that just went so awry and I just don't know how much you can get back after that. It really felt that way. And maybe it's still too fresh. It's too raw. And over time, maybe I'm just overreacting, but I think that it felt like it was kind of a breaking point game. Yep. I 100% agree with that. I think that there's a lot to be taken away from that, especially with kind of where we go to Zegris uh, eventually with this conversation. But I think that that plays a part in it for sure that this game was so bad from an offensive perspective. And the last two games were so bad that something had to change as a result of it. And I think that something has to change with the way management views this. I think to, to circle back to this game, my final thoughts kind of to do a positive end of it. I think Josh Maher looked like an NHL. Yeah. I, I think that that that's one big positive. And we've talked about this a bunch. Josh Maher should not play and be playing in the AHL right now. That, that plain and simple. He's better than Ben Hutton, better than Jacob Larson, better than Yanni Hockenpah. I know different, different handedness, different sides, but 
to me, he is the the fourth or fifth best defenseman in the Ducks system, or uh, like in the roster on the roster yeah, as a whole. He's he's very visibly more impactful than any of the guys you mentioned. And Hockenbaugh had a rough one in this game. Like yeah. he he did not look good. Um, that being said, I think it would be interesting to see him in a lower role. I I just think that the the Hockenbaugh Fowler experiment. Look, their their numbers were okay last night, but. I don't know. I, I I just am a little, I'm I'm over, a little skeptical. Yeah. A little skeptical on that. Um, yeah. But to to me, the big one that just needs to change in the in the mix on the blue line is Jacob Larson. Um, I mean, it, it's kind of fascinating how he routinely makes very egregious errors. You think back to the costly turnover. Was it against San Jose on Monday, um, where he just coughs up the puck and it ends up in the back of the Ducks net? Was that in the Vegas games? No, no, I think I, yeah, I, I don't it, know. it was against San Jose. Regardless, he makes egregious mistakes and you never hear a peep about it, not from yeah. anyone. And it's just interesting how he gets off scot-free of any criticism. And yet, you know, guys like Ricard Raquel, who everything in their process checks out, but just haven't gotten the finish, carry such of the blame for this team. So I think if you just plug in Mahura for Larson, you're already in a much better position. I think like, for example, Ben Hutton, would benefit from that because I think he's been okay overall. But the big, I mean, part of the reason I think maybe why this team was so flat now, of course, we don't have any way of knowing this, but part of the reason that they looked so flat to start the game was because of the news that dropped that very same morning. Uh, Adam Henrique placed on waivers. And by all accounts, Adam Henrique is a very, you know, respected, popular, well-thought-of guy in that locker room. And so to see him get placed on waivers, I mean, it was a shock. How, what was your what was your reaction when it happened? Well, I, I think basically right away, my initial reaction was shock because I don't think I don't think I ever thought I would see Adam Henrique on waivers. I mean, he's just such a high profile player that he's not exactly someone you would expect to be put into that situation by the team. Trade, sure. I, I've been saying he should be traded for a while, and I've long said the reason he should be traded isn't because of a negative impact on the roster. It's because of the, the uh, essentially the fact that he's going to become a depreciating asset and they should be moving him while he still has value until that contract becomes such uh, uh, such a, a negative that it's so hard to move him. And we're get it. We're at that point right now, honestly. And so um, I I'm shocked. I'm shocked that, that they hit this point. I'm shocked that it happened this year. Also, like I did not yeah. expect that to like in a year or two. Sure. Maybe, I, I could see that maybe happening, but to happen and keep in mind, this is year two of five. Yeah. Like there are three years left on this contract after this one, like to put him on waivers and be open to someone taking that guy off your hands. Someone that is in year two last year was the first year of the deal. Someone that Bob Murray just signed. Like this is a complete admittal of fault. Like there, there's no other way of, of doing, of putting it like Bob Murray may want to paint it in a way in a rosier picture for himself of, of saying Adam Henrique let us down. He's done all this stuff. He's well, not, no, that, played that, that, that's actually not what they're saying. Like, like that's, that's the funny thing about this is that they have said, I mean, both Aikens and Murray said, this isn't just Adam. Adam True. is not, Adam is not well, alone in this. Adam, and, Adam's and, and, not alone in this yet. He's the one on waivers. Well, that's the thing is that not only is he the one on waivers, but he's the only veteran who's been scratched, like yeah. the only significant veteran, the only high profile veteran who's been scratched. I don't so buy you, that. 
So you've scratched him before and now you place him on waivers, which is also just kind of like embarrassing. I think like, I'm, of course it's a, it, look, it's a no crying in baseball type business and you're never going to feel sorry for these guys, but still like, it's not a good look for, for, for any player to be placed on waivers. If, if you're a, a player of his caliber and, and the thing is with Adam Henrique, look, he hasn't been great this season by any means. The production is not there, but he had 26 goals last year. The ducks still get the most offense when he's on the ice. There's no other player where the ducks generate more expected goals for per 60 at five on five than when he is on the ice, like his play was just not bad to the point where his, he's a guy that you can just put on waivers. The, like, I mean, that, the, that, that's, the, that, that's the baffling thing to me. The the thing here is this feels like a, um, let me circle back to this because I I've said Adam Henry last summer, last year, I said, duck should be looking to move Henry. They should be looking to move him. And I've long said the reason they should be looking to move him is not because he has a negative impact on the roster. It's because he's a good player for this team right now. And this team needs to, to flip over the guys to, to flip over the core and get something for, for Henrique while he has value. And now he doesn't. And, and so kind of circling back, the issue right now is that Bob Murray only wants to get rid of him, but let's be clear here. Yeah. The only reason why he wants to get rid of him is because he believes that he does not help this team right now, that he thinks that he is a negative drag on this team, that he makes the ducks worse. That yep. is the reason why Bob Murray thinks that he should be gone. This is not because it's rebuilding. Bob Murray has made that clear in his statements. And if you take his statements at face value, which granted is a little bit, puts you at risk slightly, but he's made it clear that he thinks that this is, has to be done for the team right now. This is not a situation because of that. And the issue that I have with this overall, he should have been moved last summer. Mm -hmm. he, he should have been moved last summer when I think, correct me if you disagree with this or disagree with this if you want, I think last summer he was on pace for a 50 point season last year. You could have potentially gotten a fourth round pick for him. You could have gotten something. Would mm -hmm. you agree with that or disagree? Well, I will agree with the notion that he had more value last summer than he does right now. Yes. I mean, and if, if you were like, and that's the problem with these moves by Bob Murray is that they always feel so reactionary. There, there doesn't seem to be any kind of, vision here or there never seems to be any kind of proactive steps that are really taken um because look if you had it in the back of your mind that adam henrique is a guy you want to move um last summer would have been the time to do it and now instead his value has completely depreciated or not completely but like it is at a low point right now oh it, it's completely depreciated no one it, he cleared waivers no one wanted him for free well, well like let's make that of, clear part of that is the contract but I, I do think that, um, look, if they were on the fence about Adam Henrique, if they had some doubts about his game, then you had a window to do it. And so maybe they didn't have like this is the flip side, which I think is the more concerning side is that maybe they thought he was all good to go and there are no issues with this game. And then all of a sudden, these first however many games completely changed their minds to the point where they are waving him. It just well, feels like there's no actual plan here, except and the, for the other thing punish. is. Well, the other thing is, and and this is kind of where where I was trying to get at that with Bob Murray. Think like the other issue here is it's the fact that obviously didn't move him and is only looking to move him now because he thinks he's, he's having a negative impact on the roster. The other issue that's happening here is the player evaluation is completely off because he's not having a negative impact on the roster. Well, yeah, this is this is a gross overreaction. 
to goals for percentage. So we, we talk about this a bunch. We, we look at expected goals for, we look at Corsi for percentage. We look at these things where you have a larger sample. It, they're based on shots. So you get a larger sample over 17 games. He jet, he, when he is on the ice, the ducks get the majority of the shots and the majority of the chances. He's over 50% in both. And so that is significant for a Ducks team that is not over 50% on the whole. The issue for the Ducks is he is at 40% goals for percentage. So in pure raw goals, the Ducks get scored on more than they score for when he's on the ice. The issue here is that pure goals are a much smaller sample size and are more open to variance. And the bet, the best predictor of future goals for percentage is not actually your goals for percentage. Now it is Corsi for percentage. It is expected goals for percentage because they're based on shots. They're less likely to be um, affected by variance. So basically the ducks are making this whole rationale about Adam Henrique having a negative impact on the roster based upon something that is highly variable well, out of his that, control, out of his control, something that even if they think he looks like he's playing bad as a result of that, he's actually playing well. They like plus minus is similar to goals. 4%. It's just, it's beyond baffling the player evaluation aspect of this. It's beyond baffling the, uh, the lack of ability to understand how you should rerun a team. It, it's just, it's so baffling. It's so frustrating. And it, this is the most frustrated I think I've ever been with Bob Murray as the general manager of the Ducks. Because in reality, if you were looking to move Adam Henrique, you should not be doing it as a reactionary move. This needs to be something with foresight. This needs to be something that you plan out. He should be moved. Don't get me wrong. He should be moved. This is something that well, hold should on. have... What, what, hold on. So what is your reason? Because I don't think your reason is the same as no. his where so, he should be moved. My reason for him being moved is is a bunch of things. First off, obviously the contract's not good. That we we've, we've said that since the beginning. There's no doubt. That's the reason why he hasn't he isn't claimed. It's a bad contract. Bob Murray gave him that deal. Yeah. Bob Murray like is at well, fault for well, that contract. Well, that's the thing is he was so willing like here's the thing. He was so willing to give him that contract at the time. And you know, this early into it, he is now ready to jump ship. Like that shows that whatever evaluation was made at the time was probably inaccurate, or um, he has no faith that you know the vision he had back then can still hold true through the 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 rougher waters. Because look, a player that you sign to a five year deal is probably not going to be awesome the entire time. No. There are going to be rough patches, yeah. and and that's part of the commitment from the team side is you have to be kind of willing to live with those rough patches, and so. It's like you were alluding to with, I mean, not you weren't even alluding to it. You were putting it right out there for everybody. If the Ducks just looked at these numbers and kind of had a better understanding of them beyond Dallas Akins, because Dallas Akins, we know, look at, looks at them, but I don't think Dallas Akins is in the room for all these decisions, or at least he's not the one making the final call. If they had a better appreciation for these numbers, I think that they would come up, come away from it thinking, yeah, Adam Henrique hasn't been awesome. He hasn't been, you know, he hasn't lived up to his contract, but he hasn't just become a crappy player overnight. Like there is still value there. And with time, he's probably going to start putting a few in the back of the net. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and they're going to start going his way. He's going to get points. They will come. And, mm -hmm. and so kind of you asked me the question about why I think he should be traded. The reason why I think he should be traded is Adam Henrique is part of this older core of the team. He is currently, I think, 31 years old. I think he shares the same birthday as me, but is a year, a year older. Um, <laughs> 31 years old, 
his value is going to be depreciating because basically we we know from aging curves that once you uh, leave your late 20s, you can basically decline in value real quick. Your scoring prime has left you. There can be a very steep drop off for guys, especially guys that play the way Adam Henrique does. And so when you wanted to move him whenever you can so that you could get something in return, even if it was just a second round pick, a third round pick, a fourth round pick, whatever round pick it was, at least it was something of value in return for him. And, and that was the key thing. And the Ducks were not necessarily, um, the Ducks were not necessarily, um, looking to do that. They they thought Adam Henrique was a big part of this team, was, was a big part of them making the playoffs. And, and instead of having that foresight to understand, hey, he's 31 years old. Hey, yeah. he's going to, to there will start be to dips. Yeah. They, they're going to start being dips and, and we should be looking to move on. First off, the Ducks extended someone like that and gave him that contract. Like I said, once again, year two of the deal. It was um, a bad contract from the moment it was signed. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and so it, it's just, I, I think where I'm at with this is it's frustrating on so many levels. It's frustrating on player evaluation. It's frustrating on overall management of a roster. It's frustrating on man management. Like, how do you, how would you feel if you're in that locker room well, right now? We have, and, we have insight on that. Well, how would you feel if you're in that locker room right now and you are, for instance, Jacob Silverberg? Jacob yep. Silverberg is on the same exact term deal as yeah. Adam Henrique. Year two of five of an extent of a, an extension. Yeah, but the thing is, ja Jacob Silverberg doesn't get judged by how many goals he puts away. He's but we, we we thought Adam Henrique was was in in uh, like la was was there ever indication last year that Adam Henrique was in hot water with the organization? No, well, no, but because he scored twenty six goals. Yes, like, but he what is if, one of the, he's one of those guys who gets judged by that single statistic. But if you are Jacob Silverberg, what wouldn't you start thinking? Oh, next year maybe I maybe if my performance goes down, I'm gonna or if something happens, I'm gonna be on waivers. If the the counting stats aren't there, will I be on waivers? Well, so that's it, that, that's what Backus said after the game yesterday. He said like for some guys, I mean maybe getting out of that yeah. that, that chaos right can get you more in the zone, but it can also have you looking over your shoulder which and is that not a not, good place to be. Yeah, exactly. And so, and plus like, again, ha Henrique just hasn't been bad enough to really warrant this. So, okay. To me, it's very obvious that the thought process behind this is flawed. Like that the evaluation of this is very flawed. Now we have to think about moving forward. Yep. Because like there, there's no sense in, you know, real quick dwelling. here. Want to just add this one point to it before we move forward okay. on this. The other thing here that I wonder how this is going to go is Adam Henrique had a no trade clause 10 team. I think something along those lines where he had a 10 team. No list, I believe is, is where it was at. And I'll yeah. come, I'll look yep. that up. That yeah. 10, 10 team. No list. I wonder if he's going to be open to moving that now or open to waiving that now as a result to be moved. And so, yeah. I mean, this is a transition to, to moving forward and, and kind of what the ducks do from here. Well, well so but, yeah, well, so here's the thing. He cleared waivers this morning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't think I kind of thought maybe there's a chance he gets claimed by like an Ottawa or a Detroit or someone that just, you know, doesn't have a lot of money, but it wouldn't make a ton of sense for those teams either to just to, to take on a contract like that. Um, and so nobody claimed him. And now he's on the taxi squad is my understanding. And, you know, Dallas Aikens talked about, yeah, like there's a path forward if, if he were ever to come back in the lineup, but the way that everybody was talking about it, it just seems like this is it for, for Adam Henrique in Anaheim. Like they're, 
the 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 bridge has been burned. They've already pissed him off with the scratch. They I can't imagine that this went over very well. And like, how do you? This just doesn't feel like a situation that you can really mend. Um, and so I think now the question for the Ducks becomes, how do you get out of this situation? While also, I mean, because now they're in a situation where they're probably going to have to almost pay somebody yeah. to take him on. They're going to have to attach a draft pick to Adam Henrique to get anything of value. They're probably going to have to retain at least, you know, 25% of the salary uh, just to make it work for teams. Like this is, they've made this kind of a very complicated situation that it, like we were saying, it didn't necessarily need to be that. Yeah, one 100%. I mean, the, the best kind of, uh, not example, but comparison I can make is uh David Backus last year. I, well, I think he, at, he, he is the cautionary tale, right? Like I, I think that David Backus maybe I think I think Henrique has more value because he has more on ice value. I think right now than David Backus did back then. I think Adam Henrique is and he's younger. Yeah, Adam Henrique's younger, a middle six forward. The issue I guess that you have is Adam Henrique has three years left on his deal, whereas David Backus had one year left on his deal. And so after, after the current season, and so that's kind of the issue that you're at. And so, I mean, we need to really wait and see if the ducks can somehow, some way get rid of Adam and contract and not have to take anything back fully take, get rid of his contract. I think that's a net win for the ducks to get clear up cap space. I think Adam and yep. that that's a net win long-term. Let me, let me phrase it like that, because mm-hmm. I think that, Adam and Rick makes this team better right now, but you and I both agree this team is not a playoff team as currently constructed. So right now really doesn't matter for this team. And so, so clear, clearing mm-hmm. out that deal is more important than the on ice impact as of right now. I agree. And I think that what's important to note and something we haven't really talked about yet is that there's this whole notion that, well, of course the ducks tried to shop him. They couldn't trade him. And now they put him on waivers as kind of this last ditch attempt to get rid of him. And so because nobody took him the first time with the trade and nobody claimed him, how can you possibly say that there's even a chance that they can, that they could get anything back for him or that they could, that they could trade him. Well, my response to that would just be a, we don't actually know if they shop him before (laughs) we can, we can kind of guess we can assume, but we don't actually know. And the way I would see it is okay. First step, try to just, Try to make a real trade where you just move him and get assets back and you're not having to play the whole, okay, pay you to take him type deal. That falls through. Okay, maybe we're, there are two other possible options here. Either we have to pay somebody to take to take him off our hands or we just basically cut bait and put him on waivers and maybe somebody just takes him off our hands and yeah, we don't get anything in return, but at the very least, we're done with that contract. Like it's just over. So this was kind of like a Hail Mary. Now that that has not worked out, now I think they go into their very last kind of least desirable option, which is, okay, retain or attach. Just kind of do this very undesirable deal, but one that you have to make just to get out of the situation. Like to me, this is this is now, the situation they're in now is the last one that they had in mind. They have exhausted the other options, would be my guess. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think that, I, I mean, we've seen with guys like Galchenyuk of late that will go on waivers, get offered up, and then get traded fairly soon afterwards. And so yeah. it's all, I think, especially right now. Well, Galchenyuk is 
kind of different though. I mean, no, no, the, I, I know the contract implications. No, but, I yeah. know, but I think part of it but, is, but it's not, a, it's not a death knell to a guy's trade, to I, a guy's I, trade outcome. If he clears waivers, he could have some more value for a team being waiver eligible or waiver, well, waiver exempt now. Cause he can go back and forth on the taxi squad and be buried well, on a taxi if, squad. If, if I was want. a smart team, I would look at the situation and say, Hey, we can get a good player at a discount. I mean, yeah, you don't love that term. It's not a situation that that is necessarily ideal, but a team that is, you know, in need of offense can get a good offensive player at a pretty, you know, steep discount. And Adam Henrique's not bad defensively either. Like he can still add value to teams. And, you know, for if you're that team, okay, you get him at a severe discount. And by the time his game inevitably picks up, both by just variance and being in a better situation, then maybe you can flip him again for, for actual value this yeah. time. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, it would be nuts if someone actually got him and were I able think, to. I think that well, that's fully possible. Oh, it's possible that someone get, gets him at retained value and mm-hmm. maybe even gets a pick from the Ducks as a sweetener to take him. He yeah. goes to that team, thrives, and they're able to flip him for assets. I think that that's 100% possible. Like, I, I think I think to put a bow on all of this, it all of this does not paint a rosy picture for Bob Murray. Well, it doesn't because he's pinned himself into a corner unnecessarily. Yes, uh, agreed. He's pinned himself into a corner. He is admitting fault on signing a deal that he recently signed. (laughs) He he is now willing to sit in the taxi squad, a guy that's making five point like eight million uh, a season, and. To me, this is not a good look for a guy that is potentially on the hot seat. And I think if uh, Henry and Susan Samueli are looking at this, I think, first off, one of the things that has ran through my head, I have no, this is pure speculation. Part of me wonders if that they have given him the decree to kind of try to cut salary. That is one thing that I've thought about within the situation. So that's why he's trying to get rid of Henrique. But regardless of that, I think that the Samuelis can't be happy to have a guy making 5.8 million, not yeah, playing I mean, hockey th- for him. This season, uh, Adam Henrique is the second highest or sorry, third highest paid player on the ducks after Gibson and gets So yeah, he makes a lot of money, but I don't think it's all about that just because they've scratched him in the past. Like there's clearly a dissatisfaction no, with, yeah. with, with, with this game, not saying that you're, you're wrong or anything. Um, but to put a bow on this, maybe uh, I'm sure that there's still more we could say, I do want to add that I think this is a complete mess. The Ducks have 100% not done this correctly by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think in a weird way, long term, this is still probably going to be an okay thing because we have talked about it many times. The Ducks need to start tearing down moving this, on this current core. It it does not work. It has been pr- it, it was proven not to work before this year. And this year is just kind of putting it in in bold print that this team as currently constructed doesn't work. And also you don't have the assets to go and get that next piece, right. To kind of push Mm -hmm. everybody down. They haven't been able to do that. We've known that that Bob Murray has swung and missed on multiple deals. So this is a step in that direction in the, in the kind of move on it, at least it would appear to be so. And that to me is the big caveat out of all he's, of this. He's going it, backwards into it, but yes, it, it, the, well, the reason, the reasoning isn't mm-hmm. necessarily there. The reasoning is not actually correct, but the end mm-hmm. game is going to be the same from it. Yes. And in addition to that caveat, what does concern me slightly is what will they do after this? So if this indeed becomes a situation where, okay, 
the, the franchise is moving on from this core and will continue to strip down over time. And this was kind of the catalyst towards that. Um, then this is a great outcome because to me, that's what this team needs to do. If this is just, we're moving on from Adam Henrique, but we have no intention, you know, can't stop, won't stop trying to make the playoffs. Um, and they're just going to try to shoehorn in another guy with that cap space. Then this is just all kind of pointless, right? Yeah. yeah. So 100%. I, I have a feeling though, that like, I don't know why, maybe it's just my gut. Maybe it's reading between the tea leaves, but I do get the impression this is more in the column A of starting to kind of tear it down. That's yeah. what it appears to be. I mean, and maybe it is a decree from ownership to start doing that. I mean, yeah. they like the Samuelis can't be happy having a product that and is they this are, embarrassing they, on they the ice. They're very they're, smart people, and right? they are spending a lot of money on this team. <laughs> they're spending an, they're spending a fortune to have a very subpar product, and you know, there's no fans like. The revenue is, isn't there right now. Like this is a very brutal situation for them. And I think, yeah, like in a weird way, like the pandemic may have saved the ducks long-term because it's getting them potentially out of this kind of just cobbled together roster that never totally made sense to begin with. All right. Before we get a word from our sponsor, time, time uh, chimes in the Twitch chat with something that I think is very true about this move and how it feels from Bob Murray. It's the, we need to do something. This is something we need to do it move from Bob Murray. It's possible. I just think they have an issue with Henrique. It's possible. Like, it, it, like it, this is a theme now. It, it just feels as if it, it, it come out, it came out of nowhere. It feels like Bob Murray. This is Bob Murray. I mean, his, his standards. Yeah. Actually, sorry. One thing that I want to bring up also, that I forgot about that Fatcheral brought up and I want to get your take on it because I think it is something worth mentioning. I don't necessarily agree with it, but what if this move of putting him on waivers was a warning shot to the roster, essentially meant to be a wake up call more so than anything else. And there is not actual and Henrique is not actually traded. It was meant to be kind of a wake up call to the roster and in, uh, in reality. I mean, that would just make this ridiculous yeah. because this is, you are going to such great lengths just to send a quote unquote wake up call. Yeah. Send a I mean, message. I mean, this would be, that would be absurd. Like, yeah. like, th like that would be childish. Um, so <laughs> if you're a fan of this team, you better hope that's not what it is. It doesn't seem to be that way though, because th no. there's, th there's just so many other reasons for it, you know? Well, and you're put, putting a guy on waivers is legitimately a way to lose a player. That's yeah, not exactly. a, that, that that's not a a warning shot. That is, and, and you know, you heard the line of the Ducks expect him to clear, but you don't know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, he could be gone. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, so okay. let's have a little bit of a word from our sponsor. Okay. So, hey fellas, we are in the thick of winter and a storm's a brewing. It looks like one to three inches are in the forecast when you trim that hibernation bush that's taking place in your pants. Luckily, our partners at Manscaped specialize in products to make sure you're walking around town with beautiful snowballs. Um, so, Felix, Manscaped has sent us uh, their, a couple of their different products. What have you thought about the Lawnmower 3.0? Yeah, I've absolutely loved it. As someone who, look, uh, I experience uh, body hair. I, I just do. I experience it probably more than I would like to. And the lawnmower 3.0 has actually really stepped up my game in that regard. Um, I mean, it's definitely the best hygiene tool for the modern man uh, because of their ceramic blade and advanced skin safe technology. Your snags on your snowballs will be reduced. The trimmer is also waterproof. 
so you can trim in the shower or jacuzzi if you're a savage. So, I mean, that to me is kind of the other thing that I like about it is that you don't have to worry about when and where you're doing it. You'll still be good to go. Um, so yeah, I've been a big fan of it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm someone that has a little bit of, uh, some nose hairs. Let, let's go with that. I'm constantly bugged by my wife to, to do a little bit of a better job of, of cleaning it up. <laughs> and, and so that's where manscaped, if you're like me and have that situation, manscaped has your back with the weed whacker, uh, ear and nose hair trimmer. So you are able, this is their specific near ear and nose hair trimmer. Um, works fantastic. My wife is very happy whenever I use it because she does not have to look at hair sticking out of my nose. Happy wife, dirt. happy life. Exactly, exactly. And so um, the other things that they have, they have a great uh, uh, performance boxer brief and you get a travel bag also. So their performance package comes with the lawnmower 3.0, the weird weed whacker, their boxer briefs and a travel bag. And so it, I mean, you might as well have the best tools for the job, right? I agree. I 100% agree. And the bundle also comes with the crop preserver ball deodorant and crop reviver ball toner. So the crop preserver is anti-chafing ball deodorant that will make your balls smell nice and make you feel like your testes are walking in a winter wonderland. I think that's what we all want at the end of the day. I mean, as kind of crazy as that may sound, um, you want to smell good. And that's what the crop reserver will allow you to do. Um, and then the crop reviver is a spray on toner for your balls. It's made with soothing aloe. Who doesn't love soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts. Don't even know what that is. Sounds good though. That will make your balls look up at you and say, thank you. So if you really want to enhance that relationship, maybe it's a bit rocky right now. Uh, the crop reviver will do that for you. Don't get cold feet this winter. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. So once again, 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code CTP. That's 20% off uh, with free shipping at manscaped.com and use our code CTP, just like Crash the Pond. Uh, thank you, Manscaped, for making our winter wieners look so good. Thank you for that. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you i hope you all enjoyed that apologies you know, if you did at, at this point you know i'm i'm really sorry if you if you don't but that's why there's a skip button right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. all right so i think it's time for some fun talk so the the first i mean let, let's see here the first 50 minutes of this podcast we're a little we're, bit dreary we're, right? we're 50 we're 50 minutes in we're 50 minutes in yeah, I I'm, I do apologize. I'd like to uh, to apologize to everybody for the tone because there is still going to be a lot of positive here to get into. Hey, hey, we want to give everyone the bad news at the front so they can leave the podcast with a very kind of warm and fuzzy feeling at the end of it all. Warm you know? and fuzzy? Yes, yes, warm and fuzzy. Hmm, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, let's just dive into it, though. I, I think we got to get back to business here. Trevor Zegris uh, announced that he was called up today. We we the, the the way it broke down. I mean, we could get into the minutia of it, but the takeaway, the the end the end conclusion is that he has been called up. He skated on a line today with Jakob Silverberg and Sam Steele, and he was told last night after the goals game by the goals GM that he was being called up. He said practice at Honda Center tomorrow. Congrats, pal! And so that. It's a feel-good story. Um, we we've learned listening to Trevor Zegers's interview that his parents are flying out to Arizona to catch the game. We don't know for sure yet uh, 
if he's going to play on Monday night. I I would I would put money that he plays Monday. At very worst, he plays Wednesday. Dallas Aikens has said that he will play on their power play. That is 100% something that will happen. Uh, you know, Dallas Aikens kind of kind of did the old thing where he waffles when he asked about, you know, is he a center? Is he a winger? What does he need to work on? You know, kind of kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth there, as coaches do, totally understandable. But he was very emphatic about the fact that he will play on the power play. So I think that we can write that one down in ink. And look, Trevor Zegras is going to play in the, in the NHL. He's going to wear number 46, which um, had a bit of a laugh about that. The press conference, you know, they asked him, uh, if he had asked for number 13 and uh, he, he said number 46 is my number kind of with a smile on his face. So Jake, how are you feeling? I, I feel like you needed this. Okay. More than anyone. So, so let me, let me start with this real quick. Um, this is long overdue. We've had a lot of people watching the show, a lot of people subscribing. So I want to really quickly give a shout out to everyone who has resubbed. We've got Fatteralt resub for three months. Heyo Deflow resub for five months in a row. We have an arrow res uh, has subscribed. For the very first time, JLXX has uh, 80 has subscribed for the first time. So thank you so much to all of you for subbing to the Twitch uh, channel. Uh, thank you so much. Um, let me get to this. Before we get into Zgress, there were a lot of moves today. So let me just quickly break it down for everyone. I know you love this. You, this is what you're here for, Felix. You you enjoy this so much. Really quick, let me just say this because there is one of these that is important along with Zgress. Zgress was sent to the Ducks, Stolarz to the Taxi Squad, Jacob Perot back to the goals from the Taxi Squad, Sonny Milano, this is the big one, added to the Ducks roster, Lettieri to the Taxi Squad, Dostal to the goals, DeLeo to the goals, Mahura back to the Taxi Squad, and Adam Henrique to the Taxi Squad. So Sonny Milano and Trevor Zegers both added to the Ducks roster. That is of importance because last night, they looked really good together. Yeah, um, hooked up on, for a goal. They hooked up for a goal. Trevor Zegers had two goals. Doesn't appear as if Milano is going to draw in based upon what we got from the line information. Um it seemed like Trevor Zegers was skating with uh, Sam Steele and Jacob Silverberg. So Sonny Milano not on the line with him. But a as we get into this, uh, this was good news. Th this this was a shot in the arm that I kind of needed after the last couple days of frustration. Th this team, this team was so frustrating. Not only on the ice but off the ice. It, it made no sense. It was frustrating. It, it it felt like it felt like rock bottom. I, I don't really know if there's any other way to put it, then rock bottom, like this is extremely, it was extremely frustrating. And so part of me wonders if this move was done as a kind of PR type move, because the ducks were getting hammered by, by even the media. Eric Stevens had an article out today, essentially very, the, one of the more critical takes on management of the ducks that I've seen in the media of late. Well, he's and, calling, calling for the the heads of management, which yeah, is not he, something that we've seen nope. Eric Stevens do. And look, he's not, it's not some hot take. Like this nope. is all founded in evidence and time. And so, yeah, it not unreasonable. And look to, to the notion that they did this for PR. I have a hard time believing that. And here's why I think that, they have been so protective of him. True. They have they have kept him out of the lineup when there would have been plenty of like if they had put him in to start the year after the world junior performance he had, I don't think anyone would have batted an eye. If they had called him up two weeks ago when he was still lighting up the AHL and uh and the ducks were struggling to score, it would have been justified. So I think that just because of how protective they've been of him, they wouldn't just I would assume they wouldn't just throw him into the fire 
to win some points with fair with, no with, with, with the that, crowd that that's fair i am just simply kind of addressing a narrative that is slightly out there i think and, i mean I don't, I don't think it's unreasonable but i do think that it kind of falls apart when you start talking about it <laughs> yeah no that that's completely fair mm-hmm. and, and so it and it i mean i think the the more logical reasoning is after last night's last night's performance um with how poor the ducks were at generating offense and just really yeah. how poor the power play was what i think um is more likely the reasoning is that was the final straw. You mentioned it after that game that this felt like rock bottom. This felt like something had to change. Mm-hmm. And th- this was the the domino to fall. This yep. is the this was the the move to make. Trevor Zegras, it for whatever reason, they thought that he should be in the AHL this year and, and to start the season at least. And I mean, he's done everything they've asked for and more. Wait, he does this not- mean does this mean he's better than someone on the Ducks roster now? I guess so. I guess so. I guess as, as if him putting up nine points in eight games in the AHL so far this year and six points in four preseason oh, games. Uh, and that, here's that the line, thing. Just frame that line somewhere. Yeah. And, and so it's just, it, it, he should have been on the ducks roster to start the year. No ifs, ands or buts about it. In my opinion, he is better than Isaac Lundestrom. He is probably better than Danton Heinen. He, he's better than a fair amount of roster, a fair amount of players on this Ducks roster as of right now. And the fact that he wasn't on this roster to start is a damn shame. We, I, when I tweeted out that, because I think we were some of the first people because of us being able to monitor the Ducks uh, roster a little bit, we saw that move and instantly put it out there. And Byron Bader, a good friend of the podcast, actually quote tweeted me. And here was his take. Might never see another AHL game. Well, that's the thing. Based that's- on what... Based on what we know, you have it up. What's his star probability? Uh, I do not actually have it up right now. Oh, it, wow. I, I, yeah. Uh, okay. You, you can well, go ahead and get let, that up let, as we speak. Let me bring it up. But the point is, Trevor Zegers is so good that, you know, per Byron Bader's take on that, it's just possible that he's going to shine so much to the point where they don't send well, him back down, where he's a guy that it just doesn't make sense to send him down. Now, that being said, I would caution that a little bit just because this is the Anaheim Ducks that we're talking about. Yep. And so we just don't know how they're going to go about this. But now that he's up, we've talked about your reaction and how happy you are. What um, what are you expecting from him? Or what do you think is kind of a, what do you think is a reasonable expectation to have of how he'll look um, in, a Ducks, in a Ducks uniform? I would say try not to expect him to have a point in his first game. I think that that's a... I, I think it would be nice to see, but I'm not necessarily looking for that. I think that having a more realistic expectation of just being able to create offense. I mean, I've said this a lot about prospects. The way that I view a prospect when they jump in the lineup is the the key thing here is a prospect. I want them to show me what they can do. I want them to show me in a flash because the, the key difference between a prospect and a, a kind of a more long-term NHL player is consistency. That That's to me the biggest difference there. A star player... Uh, or not a star player, but a long-term NHLer can play the game night in, night out. They're consistently there. They're consistently, consistently producing. Whereas a more prospect type of player, that's the biggest thing they have to learn is how to do this night in, night out. And the thing for Trevor Zegers is I just want to see a couple of plays from him where he shows that star talent that he has, where he shows his ability to make a pass out of nowhere. And what we've seen in the AHL from him, and this has been my only concern with him in the AHL is, He's just not playing with good enough line mates and they're not able to read off of him well enough. Take take that, take that Sam Carrick slander and, and just, you know, 
do what you I mean, gotta it's, do with it's it. not meant to be a knock on sam carrick it's not meant to be a knock <laughs> I, on chase i'm actually just trolling you i i 100 know but just for okay. everyone out there but um if you were to watch the goals games, he would like hit hit those guys up with perfect passes in dangerous spots, and they just wouldn't expect it. It would blow up off their stick as a result, and he would hit them right in on the stick. I'm wondering, I like so he's going to be playing on a line with Sam Steele and Jacob Silverberg. I don't absolutely love that because I don't think Sam Steele is necessarily the best I, center to put him with. Well, so here here was um here was Aiken's reasoning on that. He said that he needs to play with the center who has you know he needs to play with guys who have experience offensive guys who have experienced guys who are responsible. And so I guess Sam Steele is a guy with experience at this point. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I think the Silverberg fit makes sense because Silverberg does like to get shots off. They don't always tend to be the highest danger shots, but he does like to get shots off and he's sound defensively. So it makes sense next to a guy like Zegris where you don't necessarily know what you're going to get from him defensively to start. But with uh, Sam Steele, I just don't understand the fit at all. I, I don't here. either. I don't either. Hockey hockey boys brings up a good point. Does Getzloff have experience asking for a friend? Well, so uh, Akins did bring up Getzloff's name as a possible guy that Zegris could play with. He also brought up Ricard Raquel. So it sounds like they're going to shuffle him around yeah. until, he, until he finds the right home. And, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at this as kind of like a set no. in stone. This and, is where he'll be. And what we've seen from Dallas Akins and from the ducks in the last little bit is Dallas Akins hasn't been afraid to necessarily shift things up. Yeah, and, they're, they're, and, they're willing to move it around if it's not working. Yeah, exactly. And so I would say be open to that. If I I would put it at 95% that he plays tomorrow. I, I would put it at that high that I expect him to play tomorrow. For You don't call him up straight to the roster for it also. I should add that. He was not added to the taxi squad. He was added to the, the Ducks roster for a reason. He is taxi squad eligible. So there is no reason to add him to the Ducks roster if you are not intending to play him. Any sort of other conversation from from Dallas Akins is purely trying okay. to throw people off the trail. That that's where I'm at with this. He's playing tomorrow, and, and I think everyone should be excited. This this is going to be the most excited I am for a Ducks game in a long, long time, and it's going to be must watch television for me whenever he's on the ice. Well, what's funny is that Akins was pretty coy in his answer because he didn't actually say he wasn't playing. He just said, well, we're, we're actually having our meeting about the lineup after this, you know, which is so convenient for having to answer that question. So he didn't say no. And I would imagine he'll play. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't see a way around that. My expectation. I do think his skill level will be very apparent from the start. I think that he is such a talented player you saw how seamlessly he made the transition to the AHL. And look, like Trevor Zegers is coming from the NCAA and World Juniors. Like there was, you know, it wasn't like um, he had had any other pro experience before this. And he didn't play a ton of hockey in the last year because of the pandemic. And he immediately looked great in the AHL. Like he did not miss a beat. And so I would expect it to be a very similar transition in the in the nhl perhaps not to the degree in the ahl but i do think we're going to notice he's going to make a pass he's going to make a play at center ice entering the zone and you're just going to think to yourself wow why has this guy been in the ahl now defensively that's something he talked about today is like part of the adjustment to playing wing has been winning those board battles has been kind of having less time to make decisions and i think that that may be tough for him early on, but as time goes on, his his hockey sense is so high 
his ability to read and react is so high and to see things before other guys that it will not take very long. I think one of the biggest spots where we're going to see him is if the Ducks get power plays uh, tomorrow, you will instantly see his impact on that power play because one of the yes. things, one of the big parts of Trevor Zegers' game the Ducks is get it, a power play. <laughs> yes. One, one of the big things in Trevor Zegers' game is deception. I mean, that that is the key element of his game where, where he's able to look off guys and show out, th- throw out so much misinformation that it's hard to necessarily read the play he's going to make. If you look at a lot of the passes that he makes, they're successful. It, it's kind of coming out of nowhere and very difficult to read. He's not an easy guy to defend because of a result of that. And that's something that's really important on a power play. And one of the things that the Ducks are missing on the whole with their power play is someone that can do that. Ryan Getzloff for a long time kind of sort of did that, but he's more of a guy... I I was trying kind of going back to kind of conversation I had with my dad today, trying to explain he's a different, he's a playmaker like Getzloff, but he's also so different. Getzloff was a guy that, well, Getzloff was a guy that would use his strength to be able to fend off guys and then be able to pull off a pass after he sucked in players to him be because of his physicality and be able to make a perfect pass. Trevor Zegers is a guy that doesn't want necessarily that pressure. He's a guy that's able to keep guys off of him due to his deception, due to kind of all of the misinformation that he throws out while he's on the ice. And that's how he's able to create plays and create chances for, for others is by that misinformation. So I'm really excited to see what he can do with this power play, see what he can do with the puck on a stick with a little bit more time and space that he's going to get on that power play. And so I think that's where you're going to see him have his greatest impact because that's where he's going to have the most time and space. Yeah. And, and just to something that I don't think we've mentioned yet, but we've talked about before we started recording is that Zegers mentioned his parents are coming out to the games in Arizona. So like, yeah, he's not coming up for the, he's going to play. He's he's going to play in one. He's going to play at worst on Wednesday. Like the the family's not flying out to watch him, to hang out with him in the press box or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're not flying out from New York. I I will say I do love the fact that they get to watch his first NHL game in a season where, you know, it's maybe they could have watched it anyway. You know, if it was in Anaheim or L.A., but I just I just love the fact that they'll be able to, to watch him play. I think that that's really cool. Yeah, I, um, I I agree. I agree. Yeah, but but I think to your point about Getzlaff, it is an interesting point because um, you know Ryan Getzlaff does use his size uh, to really kind of ward off defenders and buy himself time to make that pass. Whereas Zegras is a lot more manipulative with the puck. Like I think mm-hmm. he's got mm-hmm. he's got much better hands than Getzlaff, and I'm part of that is just because of the way the game has shifted and the fact that guys are just more skilled now. But he creates openings. It's not just a matter of kind of waiting 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 and then strike he is making lanes you know creating them out of thin air just by the way he stick handles and the way he's able to be so shifty on his edges i mean the way i kind of see zegris and his play style and you know akins today was talking about how he how much he hates player comps and how you know how much of an insult it is uh to the guys that are that are being put into the comparison but I'm sorry, Dallas Higgins, but Trevor Zegers reminds me a lot of Patrick Kane because of how shifty he is with the puck, because of how quick he is handling it and creating openings. He's not he's not exactly the same player. I don't think he is quite as good of a shot as Patrick Kane, at least not right now. But to me, um, that is the player he probably reminds me the most of. I've heard a lot of people compare him to Austin Matthews. I have time for that comparison as well. I've, so I've heard Elias Pettersson. Yeah, I don't... Pedersen, I, I I could see it, but he's not quite on that level in terms of a shooter. Um, 
but sure. I mean, the, the point is these are all great comparisons to have. Like if someone's putting you in that same sentence, now we're not saying that this is who he's going to be in terms of impact, but just in the way that he plays. Yeah. Um, you know, those are two very different things. Um, but I don't know, just everything that we've seen from Trevor Zegers so far leads me to believe that he will be a good NHLer right away. And maybe I'll be wrong about this, but I really do think that the ducks are going to be kind of kicking themselves maybe a little bit. Like yeah. what, what was the point of all this? Like, well, okay, great. He got, he got his feet wet. He got, he got uh, his reps. He had to earn it. But realistically, well, if this guy had been in the lineup from day one, we we haven't even seen him play yet. So maybe we're, we're getting too far ahead of ourselves. But if he had been in the lineup from day one, how much different of a position would they be in right now? Yeah, I so here's a question that I have for you on this. And one thing kind of where I'm going back and forth on. Well, not back and forth on. I know my 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 response to this. If he comes out and if he instantly has an impact on the offense where instead of scoring, I mean, the Ducks are what averaging maybe a goal a game right now. I think that that might be maybe it's, maybe it's more <laughs> if that jumps up to their averaging two goals a game with him playing. How bad does Bob Murray look for the decision to put him in the minors to start the year? I mean, do I you, think he, do you do you think mm-hmm. he looks bad or do you think that he, what he did looks warranted? Well, that's the thing. It's it's just going to depend who you ask, because the Ducks will say it's because we protected him and let him build up to it. Critics will say it's because it, it, it this it would have always been like this. It doesn't matter. I would fall on the line of on the side of yeah, like nothing has changed because he played in the AHL. He would have been this if he does play well. He would have been this good anyway. I don't think there's actually any causality there. It's just something that the that the team cannot point to. And look, I get it because we're not in the seat to make that decision. And I do think that when you have such a high level prospect. Um, it is, you know, there is some anxiety there of putting him in too soon and maybe it doesn't work out. And then all of a sudden you've really shifted his, uh, development in a negative way. But that being said, if you have confidence in the player, eight games in the AHL is not going to make that difference one way or the other, right? Yeah. Like it, you're not like now that you've called him up, you're essentially conceding that he didn't actually need that much time anyway. Right. So it's yeah. kind of a weird situation. You know, I don't, this debate is not super interesting to me, but I do think it's at least worth addressing. Yep, exactly. All right. So I think it's about time we get into some questions or you got yeah. anything you want. Well, here, let me ask you this. What's your lineup prediction for tomorrow for the uh, forward lines? Do you Mark, think that they just keep the same, uh, same line at si- same lineup is uh last game with essentially just swapping in Trevor Zegras for um for Danton Heinen because Danton Heinen was the winger on that line. Why do you have to put me on the spot? Because that's what I do. You do it to me all the time. I mean, I, I'm just asking that so I can pull up the lineup. Yeah, so, okay, to buy myself some time. So looking at the lineup, I mean, I could see a scenario where Jones replaces Delorier on the fourth line. And then Heinen is with Getzloff and Terry. And then um, Zegris is with Steele and Silverberg. And then Coltois, Lindstrom, Raquel stay together. Mm-hmm. That, yep. that would, because I think, man, if you take out Heinen, I know Jones has been going well, but if you take out Heinen and you have Zegris in there and you're still leaving Delorier in there, like you are, I just think that you're, you're, you're kind of taking a risk there because as good as I think Zegris will be, 
you're kind of you're hedging your bet a little bit by keeping Jones in there um, and taking Delorier out. I love that Aiken said today that the only the only line he for sure will not play on is the grinding line. He referred to it as the grinding line, which I would assume is the fourth line. But why? Like, why? Why <laughs> is that a line. thing? Why can't every line be the grinding line in theory? Yeah, that is very annoying. Um, <laughs> really quick, I'm trying to look up. Well, um, okay, I just want to say he didn't say that in the sense of like he's not a grinder. Just like if you're no, trying to. If you're trying to play the bingo game of where he'll play, it, it just won't be that one. Yeah. So it doesn't look like I'm, I am I got to Byron Bader's uh, projection. He doesn't have this year in it. So that that's the issue there. There's no D2. So it would have probably it, gone up. His star yes. Probability. Yes. Yeah. It would have. It would have gone up significantly with, with how he played. So um, let's get into some questions. So we got two DMs from Twitter that I want to get to. And then Twitch, we will get to you. So let's hit these first before we get to them. Um, uh, Steve asked us on Twitter, Henrique Fowler, Silverberg, um, and Shattenkirk have almost no trade value. Manson probably gets a second. So are Raquel and Gibson, the only guys with in season value. Would you Wait, agree so with that assessment? Which guys do you think Henrique Fowler, Silverberg, Shattenkirk have no trade value? Manson maybe gets you a second right now. So do you think that Raquel and Gibson are the only guys kind of in that uh, age group that has trade value right now for the Ducks? I do think Raquel is the highest value because of his contract and because you could argue he's the, still the best player within that. I think with John Gibson, there's probably teams that would take him, but I don't even know what his rep really is around the league, right? Oh, um, Lindholm does also. Sorry. That, yeah, that's one that was I missed. would say Lindholm has value. I mean, the contract, which is which we kind of haven't talked about much as looking really bad right now, is the Fowler deal. I mean, that is an albatross because he's not playing very well this season either. So, yeah, I, I would agree with that overall assessment, though. I, yeah. I think that's fair. Yep. And then we got this one. Um, does Henrique's waiver debacle, this comes from William Lewis, uh, call into question uh, Murray's stability or suitability for the expansion draft. That's uh, one thing we haven't yes. really talked about the impact of this on the expansion draft. Uh, why don't you take that away since that so, is your, that is your expertise really quick. Adam and Reek would be eligible for the expansion draft. To me, that's one of actually the flaws with putting on waivers is that if they would have lost them for nothing, there would have been the potential for them to expose them. And maybe after a good season, Seattle maybe would have taken them. Uh, they are going to need like one of the things of an expansion draft team is they do need to take on some salary to get to the cap floor. Cause most of the players they're going to take are going to be in the one or two million dollar range so it's not as if the cap or the the contract is a necessary or is a, this huge issue for seattle so i i think maybe there's a flaw there because he may have been the guy you dangle for seattle to take possibly but we don't you know no I, yeah that, that I mean, the, the term is still kind of ugly um that being said by the time the expansion draft rolls around that term does lessen so important to know I would say that, yeah, like we've known this for a while now. Like this is not the first example of Bob Murray with questionable at best asset management. Like this is something that's been known, at least in my head, that Bob Murray doesn't seem to really kind of have this good business sense of when to sell, when to buy, uh, factoring in all possibilities. And this isn't like Bob Murray gets the blame for this because he is the one that is at the helm. But there is a group of guys in that room, right? This is a team decision. This isn't always just one person. And so because these mistakes have been compiled over time, again, this goes to my theory or my, my belief that you just got to clean house. 
like there is just a thought process within that organization that is not working and it's impossible to suss out who is not at fault in this scenario. Um, and that sucks because you don't want to fire people. You don't want to cost people their livelihood, but there's a business to run here. There are wins to be had. There are bigger and better things to accomplish. And like right now, this management group has just shown that they are not capable of that, that they're not the the team to do it. Yeah. Um, so let's get into some questions from our Twitch chat now. So that, that was it from Twitter. So thank you so much. You can send us stuff on Twitter. We'll, we'll answer it. Same thing with emails. But let's get to Twitch because this is the real fun part. We've had a lot of people. We're at 70 plus viewers for most of this podcast. So thank you so much. Yeah. If you're watching on YouTube, by the way, so we do have the show on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash pond or if the audio versions, we do a Twitch stream of the show each and every time at twitch.tv slash crash pond where you can watch us kind of give out these takes, give out these opinions live watch our, our reactions, watch our faces as we do those fun well, ad reads. Yes, I was going to say, the most and, important part. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you also get to interact not only with us, but with other uh, Ducks fans in the Twitch chat. It's a fun little community. And you can also support the show. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime sub each and every month. Um, you do have to... Um, hit that subscribe button after 30 days. If you have Amazon prime, you get one free Twitch prime gaming sub um, every month. So you can go ahead and use that. You can also uh, use some bits. And so that guy, Bobski uh, used 46 bit bits and sent that to us because of Trevor's egress wearing 46. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank uh, God he's 46 and not 13. Oh, uh, I mean, Zgress, Zgress should, just wear no, should wear number 99. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, don't, don't put that on him. Don't, don't put that there. Sorry. Mm -hmm. It was a joke for the bits. It was for the bits. Um, so here we go. Let's get to these questions. Spence Curry asks, who do you think should be traded in a rebuild? So if this is potentially the start of the rebuild, what would you do? Who would you trade? Who would you not trade? Anyone and everyone. Like I, I know this sounds heartless, but I don't, I know that you want to keep some veterans around, but I just trade whoever I can get the maximum value for and kind of work my way down. So Silverberg is on the table for me. Henrique is, I mean, obviously he's, he's on the table for everybody. <laughs> um, Ricard Raquel, I do like, I, I still think he's a good player and that the problem is you're really going to have to pay him yeah, that's in the, the, the near future. And like we we're kind of seeing it now that those contracts don't age well, or they, they might not age well. Um, so Raquel is definitely on the table for me. I might try to get out of Danton Heinen if I possibly can. I will try my darndest to see if I can get someone to take Cam Fowler because that contract is just, it's making my eyes hurt looking at it. Um, and then Hampus Lindholm is not like, I'm sorry if this is hurting the feelings of fans of the team, but this is the, this is the mindset you have to have if you're trying to really improve long-term. So really anyone and everyone is on yeah. the table. There, there I, is, there is absolutely no one on this roster at this point in time that is off limits. Zero. Yep. Yep, I would agree yeah, well, with that. Although I guess Zegris is on the roster, so he he's not on the table. Yeah, or he, he's not on the table. Bonnie also just gave us forty six bits. Uh, thank so you, thank you so much, Bonnie. Um, so um, I agree with that. I think that you don't. I think there needs to be some remnants of older players just to fill roster spots in a way, and also in in some fashion. If you do that whole scorched earth, you do need some salary on your team to hit the cap floor. And so but I that's would fine. That, that, yeah. that's, that's achievable. You just do what the Red Wings do, right? Which is yeah. you take I, on salaries for picks. Well, I would look at moving Raquel. I would look at basically I would try to keep, I would probably try to just keep Silverberg and Lindholm and that's it. Yeah. Like, like the thing is with Silverberg, I do think maybe it's a flawed belief that he like, there's not a ton of term left on his deal. I mean, less than Fowler, for example, 
I do think he can have value defensively, just kind of stabilize. I think that that will age a little better. And like with Lindholm, I, I just still think that he can be a good NHL defenseman. I think that we've kind of learned in the last maybe two to three years that he's not really an elite tier defensive defenseman anymore. But at the very least, he's a guy who can kind of just stabilize your blue line as you try to work in the likes of Josh Mahura, Jamie Drysdale, you know, so on and so forth. Yep. Um, agreed with that. Uh, real quick. This is something I saw earlier. My apologies. I can't remember who asked this question it was something earlier, but I think it's actually something I- important to ask. How How, do you think Zgris is up for the rest of the year? Or do you think that it's just basically, do you think they burn a year right now? Uh, I, it's so hard for me to say because this team is so unpredictable and at times illogical, hard for me to say if I were to put my life on it, which, you know, I, I do think I value my life. Uh, I would bet no, because I just, this team has been so conservative, so cautious. Um, but I will say that he could just come in and be so good that yep. he forces their hand. Yeah, I think I think that's going to happen. I think it's a yes. So I think maybe he, maybe in this scenario, I I get I, I perish because I of think that he, bet. Yeah, I think he comes <laughs> up and he he does enough where he they they can't afford to send him down at that point. I, I you just can't. And I think that, that that's it's where a, we're it's, at. It's a big bet, but like you know that like you've you've touched on this before, and I think it's a good point. Is this whole idea that oh my god, you can't possibly burn a year. It's so bad. Never do it. Um, the player actually will probably not be quite as good if he burns it off sooner, right? The longer that you extend it out, the more time he has to accumulate counting stats to drive up his price. So playing Zegers all of this year in a shorter season keeps that ability for him to produce down and well, helps the team side. And from when we know about aging curves, he's going to be better next year and better the year after that. So you're getting a 19, 19 year old season, 20 year old season, 21 year old season under the ELC. I have a question for you. Yeah. What do you think Zegers's next contract will be? I really, I'm, he hasn't even played a game. Yet. Hey, let's be, let's, we're, he, he, hey, it's time. It's time. To now now you're putting me on the spot. 11 right, million. M- moving okay. on. Thatcher, I'll ask question if Bob Murray's here, that's not happening on a guy that's an RFA. If it's a new GM, maybe um, Thatcher Alt says, I've been hearing rumors that Gibson wants out and there are those rumors. I don't know how much I believe in them, but what do you think are the chances that he gets traded? Um, I haven't heard those rumors, but I'm not like super plugged in on that kind of stuff. So maybe it's just me. I think that the chances he gets traded are not non-zero because of the existence of Lucas Dostal. I think that, if he like, he's only 20 and he's been really good in the AHL this year. So there's still going to be some development needed, but if the ducks are going to go down this path of the rebuild, John Gibson is an interesting chip to cash in on because he's 27, which is young by goalie standards. He's kind of entering his prime, if anything, and he's got a ton of term left, but it's, it's manageable in terms of the AV. So I could see it happening. Um, it's kind of a, maybe I'm, I'm waffling a little bit here, but I do think that it's not crazy to think that. Yeah, I think so. Also, I mean, we really need to see kind of where the, this my, team goes. My, my big issue with John Gibson is that we haven't seen him be that good over the last year and a half. I mean, he had a really dominant stretch to start the year, but he wasn't great last year. And right now, like he's barely above zero in terms of GSAX. Like he is almost below zero which yeah. you know for those who don't know what that means like goal saved above expected is okay we're counting the number of goals that a goalie is saving above 
what we would expect based on the number of shots that he's facing, which to me is a way better way of looking at it than say percentage. And Gibson is always, or at least in the first three years of Carlisle, um, you know, Gibson really dominated that stat. Like he was just destroying it, um, saving a bunch of goals. But in the last two years, you know, maybe it's fatigue. Maybe it's the Aikens effect. Who knows? He just has not been nearly as good. And now he's almost negative, which is crazy. Yeah. Let, let's get some rapid fire questions in here as we're kind of nearing an hour and a half. Uh, that guy, Bobski asks, Zegers over under points versus Arizona in the two games, two and a half over under two points or two and a half points. Uh, under over. I'm, I, I know I said set your expectations low, but I'm going over. No, I'm going to have fun. Never, I, never I'm, that. I'm going against my, uh, my own beliefs here on setting expectations low and just going to the moon. You know, we, we haven't had a whole lot of fun. So let me, let fun. me, let, let me do that. Shadow up gaming says, do the ducks have the ability to trade for Jack Eichel with the rumors spreading around him? I mean, the real only, the deal would have to center around a Gibson for Eichel swap. So my issue with that situation is there are other teams that have better offers to make, AKA the team up the road, the LA Kings. And if the Kings want Jack Eichel, I would assume that they can get him. So it would take some team like that backing out. It would cost the ducks an, an arm and a leg to go and get Jack Eichel. And at this point where they're at in their rebuild, I think that they're just so far behind the point where getting a Jack Eichel is really kind of appropriate that I actually wouldn't do it at this point. Yeah. Is, um, that, is that controversial? That's a little controversial because it's he's I, very... I, I, he's a, I just think what we're learning is that they are at square zero right now. And when you get Jack Eichel, like you need to be further along to, for, for that to be worth it because they're going to have to gut their their system together. That's him. true. That's true. I mean, I think you don't have to gut it if you have John if John Gibson is a centerpiece. I think John Gibson for Jack Eichel is a fair a for, fairer value swap. Ooh, I think you need to include more if you're the okay. Ducks. But okay. anyway. Um, any, all right. The Honey Badger says, how does Zegers playing in the NHL change his status for the expansion draft? Does it even change anything? So I'll take this one. It does not. Um, first and second year pros are exempt from the expansion draft. Uh, whether he played in the NHL this year or in the AHL for the entire year, it doesn't matter. He would be considered a first year pro. AHL games do count towards that on the whole. So that is not something that actually matters in this uh, situation. So... Um, no, it does not change anything for him. He is exempt. Same thing with Jamie Drysdale. Time Twitch asks, what is your final counting stats uh, for Zegras? It, so let's go under the assumption that he plays the rest of the season. So 39 more games, I believe. Is is that right? Have the Ducks played 17 games or am I missing something? Here? Let's go with 39. Uh, 39 games. How many uh, goals, assists, and points? I think he will get seven goals and 14 assists. I was going to go 20 points. So I was going to go seven goals, 13 assists. I mean, I think he's going to put up points in bunches. Like yeah. that's what he does. He's well, going to play on the power play. He has the skill set. They're going to try like now the ducks have a vested interest for this to work. So they're going to do whatever they can to get him well, in that position. And I mean, NHL E isn't a perfect set, especially in, in a smaller sample of eight games. But if you were to update his eight, uh, nine points in eight games, um, that is an equivalent as of right now to a 45 point season over an 82 game season or okay. yeah, for 45 points over an 82 game season. So close. So right around basically a half. So if he plays 39 games, 20 points. Yeah. I mean, him getting seven goals would be huge for this team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, seven goals and 13, 14 assists that that'd be huge. Yeah. Um, 
Biwan Samdi 48 says scenario by seventh by seventh game, Zegers is centering the Ducks top line flank by Comtois Raquel on his left and right wing. So this is assuming he moves to center. He has two goals and two assists in six games, and he stays with those players. What is his end of season stat line? So this is going similar. He uh, he's already has uh, four points in six games. Do you think he stays on that trend? Do you think that that maybe changes anything? Do you think that he just stays with where we're at of twenty points? Yeah, I, you know, the prediction I made earlier has kind of his AHL production in mind. So yeah, I'm sticking with that. And so JJ Stone 22 says, do we know how the juniors will, how juniors will affect Drysdale and others yet? So I have not, I don't think we know there has been an update. I have not seen any clarification. The OHL has said that they're planning to start in April. I don't know if there's any actual hard (laughs) set date. How many games are they going to play? Yeah. And so, (laughs) I mean, it depends if, if the current negotiated uh, NHL, CHL rules are intact, then yes, they have to go to the OHL. They cannot play in the AHL after that. There is some chatter of that not being applied this year because of it being such a weird year. So we really don't know what's going to happen there. Kind of on the topic of Drysdale. Drysdale also is impressing um yeah in his time in junior and i think there's in the ahl he's playing a lot better than i expected him to there was a play in last night's game where he was on a two-on-one challenged the guy with the puck and stopped the pass from happening and on top of that he has eight points in eight games yeah does jamie drysdale get a look at any point in time with this ducks roster i think if jamie drysdale gets in the lineup this season it will be like at the it will be a couple things will have to happen he won't be able to go back to junior yet and it'll be at a point where the season is just kind of, I don't think they're going to put him in as long as there's still a chance they can get into the playoffs. I think yeah. he's, he's more of a late season kind of cameo guy, um, which by the way, doesn't mean that it's correct. Like you could argue he's good enough now and better than like, say uh, a Ben Hutton. I don't know if that's necessarily true because defense is such a kind of hard position to project uh, at, at his age, especially so, but I would be curious to see it. I'll say that much. He's looking yeah. great in the AHL. Uh, Brandasian asked, "Do you, and I'll take this one. Do you think the Ducks will limit Mahura's game played so he doesn't meet the games played requirement for the expansion draft? So Mahura has met the games played requirement, or, or he is not uh, exempt. The, he is a third-year pro. AHL games do count towards that. He's played two years in the AHL. This is his third year. He obviously has gotten some NHL games, so he is actually not exempt. He is eligible for the expansion draft. He is someone the Ducks have to look to protect. So um, whatever they do right now does not matter for his expansion draft eligibility on the whole. Mm-hmm. Um, he is uh, currently uh, eligible. Ginger Wolf asks, can you guys explain how Kessler's, Perry's, and others' contracts affect the team? Are Eves and Bacchus still on the books? So going to Cat Friendly real quick, Eves and Bacchus, or sorry, um, sorry, Eves, Eves, Eves is Eves, off the books. Eves and Bieksa. He said Eves and Bieksa. Eves and Bieksa are off the books. Yeah, way um, off. <laughs> Ryan Kessler is currently still under contract and is, in, is under contract for this year and next year at 6.875. The key thing to know there is Frank Cervelli reported this, that 80%, 80 plus percent of that contract is covered by um, insurance at this point. So the Ducks actually aren't paying a whole lot out of pocket um, for that deal for the next two years. But that cap hit of 6.875 does remain. It is eligible to go on LTIR. You said 70, um, said 80%? Like how how confident are we with that number? Uh, Frank, sir, I, that is me trying to remember exactly okay. what was in the report. Um, I because- would check. Frank 80 per, really ha- 80% would leave him at about just over a million 
in uh, terms of what they're paying him. Yeah, it's something around there. So don't quote me on that. Go see Frank Saravelli's reporting on it for it to be. But they've got they've got one more year of him on a no move clause, and uh, then after that it goes down to a modified no trade, which isn't really going to matter at the end I, of the day. I just love I just love even talking about Kessler in the present tense. Like he's still he's got two years left on his deal. And yeah. He, well, he's, he's basically retired. We're talking about Adam Henrique's deal and how that was bad right away. Adam Ryan Kessler's still getting paid by the Ducks. Yeah, yeah and and, and Ryan Kessler's lot. and Ryan Kessler's deal was signed in the summer of 2016, or sorry, 2015. Um, I mean, the thing and, with Bob and, Murray, and, and that was a big bet that he would age well. And like, it didn't take a genius to see the way he plays and think, you know. Maybe this isn't a guy you want to give six years to um, when he's in his late 20s. Maybe it's not a great idea. I mean, I feel like this is something that's kind of like a narrative that's died down over time, but it's still a demerit against Bob Murray, I would say. Yeah, I I mean, this is the the Bob Murray narrative of he's gone out of his way. Of course, there's the argument of, well, you had to do it at the time because you got to stay within your window, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So real quick, found the the article, and yeah, it is eighty percent is what um what is being reported um by Frank Cervelli that eighty percent of the thirteen point three million remaining to be paid out is covered by insurance, which makes it easier for the. This was about the Ducks trading the deal, which to me doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But yeah, it, it's not actual real money that's being paid out. Um, and then kind of going to the final person of Perry. Perry has been bought out. So this year there's a 6.625 mil cap hit. Then following two years, there's $2 million cap hit for him because of the buyout. So that's maybe, kinda... maybe the most pointless buyout ever. I, I think like in, as the more time goes on, the more that buyout looks completely pointless. Um, they haven't done anything of note or of benefit with that, that additional cap space um, has not panned out in any meaningful way. So yeah, just another yeah. little, little dinger. Um, Fire Carlisle said, question, are the Ducks lacking a bad cop on the coaching staff? Really? It seems like the only person who holds them accountable is the GM. I think they're lacking just good coaches on the coaching staff. I, I mean, I, I think that Dallas Aikens seems like a good motivator, seems like a good people person, but the X's and O's of this team have not been the strongest. The lineup decisions have not been the strongest. And so... Maybe I'm being too harsh, maybe I'm being too critical, but that to me is the bigger issue. Like that this is the thing that we need to get away from when discussing this team is it's not about motivation, it's not about you know accountability. These are just buzzwords to cover up the fact that there is not enough talent. This team is not constructed properly. They're depending too much on guys who are on the wrong side of their aging curve. Um that's what this is that's what this season is about. I I just don't want to hear any more about how this is somehow about accountability or good cop, bad cop. That is not at all what matters here. Yeah. And so we've got two questions from Kim Paffa that I want to get to one. Should we buy Zegras jerseys with his rookie number or with 13? Wait for 13. Wait for 13. Okay. Um, and then if Zegras narrowly loses on the Calder trophy, how pissed should the Samuelis be for management for keeping him out of the big club for this many games? Uh, well, who would be the front runner right now for the Calder Trophy? I haven't really been paying attention to that. I haven't necessarily either. I don't think it is Lafreniere, though. Let me see if I can look up the rookie scoring. But 
I actually will take the other other side of this. I actually think the Samuelis will probably be happy because that means they don't have to pay as yeah. much of a bonus. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're asking the people writing the checks, they might be a little happier that uh, the check won't be as big. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Josh Norris currently leads uh, rookie <laughs> scoring with 11. Kap- Kirill Kaprasov is tied there at 11 also. Uh, Tim Stutzle at yeah, nine and, points. And, and Kaprizov hasn't even played that many games. So yeah. Yeah. Er, Anywho. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So let me see. We've got a couple more questions. What is Zgris's nickname going to be? I mean, it's hockey. You all know what it's going to be. It's going to be Z. Zegs? Z? Oh, is it Z? Okay. Yeah, I would say Z. Mighty Ducks 593. Do we hate Kessler for not retiring? No. He get, I mean, get, it, get your money. Yeah, I mean, of course, if you're on the team side, you're probably like, well, what the heck? But um, because I I actually don't know how this works within the contracts, because if he's physically unable to play, um, how does that work? I would imagine that part of this is put into the contracts, the CBA, that a player doesn't just lose out on his money if he's hurt. Right. Um, And so, no, you shouldn't hate the guy for for trying to get his money like that. Yeah. Ridiculous. And I mean, I mean, he played through everything and got hurt while he's on the ducks. He should be paid if he's, if he's hurt and cannot do anything that, I mean, here's the thing. The ducks signed that deal. It's not just Kessler that signed that deal. It, it, yeah. it is both parties to that. Kessler yeah. Kessler is it, it basically Kessler is eligible to get all that money if he wants it. And Account- so accountability. Yeah. Shocking. Accountability? Shocking. Two way, that, is it, a, is it a two way street? Yeah, shocking. We we should really po- briefly point that out. That it, I love that Bob Murray says accountability is so important, and yet it feels as if no one holds him. No, he doesn't allow himself to be held accountable for anything. Just yeah. just putting that out there. B one Samdi forty eight says, uh, f- uh, he's wondering why you would be okay with trading Heinen. Um, I just don't really think he's a guy who does much for you. He's twenty five. He's going to be an RFA. So I think teams can talk themselves into wanting him. And if you just get a pick for him, like a third or I don't know, just he's just not a guy I'm really high on moving forward. And I think if you just uh, get something of in return where you can kind of have a little more control over who's going to be a part of this team long term, that makes more sense to me. Maybe, Maybe I'm being a little harsh. Maybe Heinen has shown he's good enough to stick around long term, but I am of the mind of just scorched earth do, so. do we at what point do we say that was a bad deal can we can we say that right now because um, nick richie looks really good in boston yeah i mean i think it's fair to say and maybe i haven't done enough research on the other side of this equation but has nick richie looked better now than heinen ever looked in boston because if the answer is yes then it is a bad deal because you can't just say oh well he's doing better because he's in boston if he's doing better in boston than heinen did in boston and Heinen isn't doing as well as Richie was in Anaheim, then I think you have a pretty strong case this is, that this wasn't a great deal. Um, that being said, I think it's still an okay-ish deal. I, it's going to be hard for me to ever get to the point and to say this is a terrible deal. I do think, though, that the player evaluation side of Richie was very poor. I don't really care about the whole conditioning thing. I don't care about the fact that he took penalties. That is something that you can, hey, work on internally. And I know that they probably tried and maybe they failed. Um, but even still, like he is just so impactful at five on five that it's just kind of worth it. You just live with it. But there are so many people that just don't see it that way that I, I, I'm not going to 
I'm not going to go any further. It is what okay. it is. So two questions here. Let's end with these two. Mighty X five nine three asks question: Do the Ducks need more grit? No, 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 no more grit. No, no, no more get, grit. Get get rid of the get rid of the grit. Get rid of the grind line. The, the <laughs> team this the grind this, line. The, this team needs more skill. This team needs way more skill. Get rid of the get rid of the the entire fourth line. Just shoot them out and get more skilled players on this <laughs> roster. Um, and let's end with this. Dalton Key says, "Do the Ducks win tomorrow?" Let's end with that. No. Yeah. I agree. Uh, you're you're ignoring questions for me. How how dare you? Or oh, one question. The whether it's the Ducks or the Habs because that's not even a question worth asking. You're a Habs fan. Yeah, I actually just don't know what that's referring to. Like, who's oh, better I, right now? No, he's asking who you're more of a fan of. The Habs, although right now they're they're playing with my emotions, losing to the Ottawa Senators. Uh, yeah. And Carey yeah. Price looking just washed doesn't also yeah. help. Yeah. yeah. So I, I say the Ducks lose tomorrow. I, I don't feel they, they just didn't look great. I, I think they'll look better against oh. the Coyotes than they did. I think that they'll they will. Um, I think Zegris will get it. will have a point in, in the game. But I think overall, um, overall, the Ducks are not going to end up uh, going to win tomorrow. One thing that was really confusing that Aiken said today, two things. He said that this is the Coyotes are a team that likes to play a track meet style, which <laughs> that's not what I've seen from them, but I haven't watched a ton of them lately. And he also, he basically called them a diving team. Like, he yeah, said, that's right. Yeah. Like he did everything but say that they're a team that dives. And I thought that that was very odd. Um, but Hey, you know, they're in the trenches, so we'll let them have that. Yeah, yeah, and want to say this, Bonnie, the uh, the biggest, I think, optimist and light in our Twitch chat, and just kind of in all of Ducks fandom. I, I want to say she says yes, yes, the Ducks will win tomorrow. I mean, they could. Like yeah. the the Coyotes aren't that good. Um, the Ducks haven't shown that they're better than the Coyotes, but the Trevor Zegers magic it will work. Okay, yeah, sure, let's go with it. Should we get out of here? Yeah, let's get out of here. We're at an hour 40. This has been a big show. This is a lot of people. We've had a lot of people tune in for us. So thank you, everyone, in the Twitch chat. It's been thriving tonight. It's been bumping. It's been a lot of fun. I want to just say thank you to everyone. Yeah, thank you, guys. This was a lot of fun. Um, I'm using a different computer than I usually do, so I was able to keep track of this chat, and I am, I'm loving it. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening, who's listening, whether it's on YouTube or in the recorded version, of course. Big shout out to everybody there. So wrapping on up here, if you enjoy our show, if you like what we do here, there are a number of ways that you can support us. I think the biggest one, the one that you get the most benefit out of is our Patreon page. So that's at patreon.com slash crash the pond. Uh, we give you three tiers of support. So for a dollar a month, a dollar pledge a month, you get access to our patrons only discord chat, which I'm happy to report has kind of just taken on a life of its own this season. Um, you know, in, in the early days, it was, you know, not as many people, but still some good discussion, but just not quite as lively. And now Jake and I won't even go there sometimes for a good while. And there will just be a raging conversation about, you know, God knows what, just some, some very minute the fact thing. That, the fact <laughs> that the ducks need, the ducks need to trade uh, someone to Ottawa to get Jack Kopaka back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just, just great stuff like that. So yeah, if you're looking to just, you know, Give us a little support. And also you get to join this very great community of diehard fans. Everyone is super friendly in there. You know, you've got Nate just raging out during the games when the Ducks aren't playing well. Um, everybody in there is just super friendly. And I think it's a great kind of 
holes in place, which is rare on the internet. Now, for $5 a month, you get access both to the um, Discord chat and you also get access to two bonus episodes a month. And these are a lot of fun because, you know, despite the fact that we go almost two hours on these shows sometimes, um, we have to work through what happened that week. We have to get through all the different items. And especially in a week like this, we don't really get as much time to really flesh out these bigger topics. We get an opportunity to do that on the Patreon shows. Um, we'll deep dive the ducks, bigger topics there. We'll also talk league wide, do rankings, awards. We just did uh, letter grades for every single ducks player at the quarter mark um, on our last show. We also talk about video games, Mandalorian. Uh, at some point, Jake believes he can get me to talk about WandaVision. Yeah, you so, are. You so are whether you want to or not. It's it's extremely unlikely that I will, but you know, we'll, we'll keep the dream alive for now. Hey, maybe I will watch it. Um, now for $15 a month. So you still get access to the chat, to the episodes, but you also get access to our watch along. And to me, this is a new, very exciting feature which has a lot of potential, you know, it's basically us doing an alternative broadcast to the game. So while the games are happening twice a month, we will do a live um, commentary of the game and play-by-play uh, -play -play analysis, stats, matchup. Just think everything you don't exactly get from your traditional hockey broadcast. We give you that and more. We give you a link that you can go to where there will also be a chat in game. So we'll also respond to questions, chat with you guys, um, it's a lot of fun. It is a bigger commitment, but I do think if you're a diehard fan and you love our show, um, I mean, that's that's the tier for you. You get the maximum benefit. Um, now, of course, you know, finances are tight. That's totally understandable. Re real quick, real quick. I want to jump in. I'm just throwing this on you. I think we are going to do, we have to do a watch along this week, no matter what. I think we do it. Uh, I, I, I agree. I think we do it for Wednesday's game we, against we, the Coyotes. We, we may we, we'll play it by ear depending on when Zegras actually debuts. So it could be as early as tonight if you're listening uh, on Monday. It could be as early as Wednesday. We'll see, but we will do a watch along for the Zegras debut, whenever uh, that is. Maybe not debut. We'll see. We'll we'll talk about it. We'll discuss off well, air, Jake, but we will do during one of the two now, games. And now Jake is walking it back. Interesting. Standard. 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 Interesting. Just throwing Standard. a bomb in there and then walking back. But hey, anyway. I said Wednesday. You then threw out Monday. Well, whatever. The point is, um, you know, go check that out. I think that if you're a diehard fan of this team and uh, you enjoy our show, you will enjoy these perks. Now, of course, um, if you don't have money to just shell out right now, totally get it. No problem. Um, there's still a bunch of great ways you can support us. Uh, search us up on Apple Podcasts. Type in Crash the Pond and you can leave a rating and a review. Those actually do matter. Um, believe it or not, they help us, um, you know, just kind of stay relevant, climb up those charts and, you know, it matters. That being said, um, the reviews are just fun. I, I genuinely love just reading them because there is a very wide spectrum of reviews. They go from completely insane to an inappropriate to deep and heartfelt and just everything in between different permutations of that. And I don't have it up now, Jake, but do you want to read the new review we got yes. this week? So we got one. It says awesome podcast, five stars. It's nice to have a ducks podcast that keeps it real. Appreciate you guys. You know, last week uh, we said it was um, inappropriate name. Is, yes. is that what we went with? This is um, someone with that same name, but said not. And then the inappropriate name. So yeah, yeah. It, appreciate yeah. Appreciate the relevancy there. Th th that shows an attention to detail, and we're all I've, about attention I've, to detail. I was, 
I very much enjoyed uh, viewing that the name was uh, not that. So I thank you. It. I love it. Thank you for that. Um, of course, a couple of other ways here, youtube.com slash crash the pond. If you enjoy watching the show in video format, well, then we've got you covered there. Uh, make sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications so that you know when our videos go up. We've got a thriving, thriving comment community there, uh, which I do enjoy reading. Jake enjoys responding. Maybe at some point I'll get into the response game. Yeah, maybe, maybe you should. Maybe I'm a lurker. Should. I'm a lurker right now. I'm just biding my time. Uh, <laughs> and um, what else do we got here? Oh yeah, make sure to check out our website, CrashThePond.com. A um, few different things on there. Uh, after every Ducks mini series or set, whatever you want to call it, we do five takeaways. Jake, CJ, and I we revolve through that, and uh, we give you different stats, different things to kind of take away from those games. So if you didn't get to watch them, or if you did watch them, you have a good feel for kind of what happened there. Um, we also have a shop, crashthepond.com slash shop. So if you like our logo, or you want to find out what our logo looks like, um, go to the website. Um, we've got t-shirts. I mean, we've got some beautiful white, orange, or black you get to pick. We've got the duck's whole color spectrum there. But we also have different versions of the actual logo. Uh, so we've got an eggplant and jade version of our Crash the Pond logo, which is just gorgeous with the Honda Center arches, palm trees, hockey sticks, you know, you know the deal. We've got that in eggplant and jade. We've got it in the orange and black. So whether your team bring back the Mighty Ducks or team love the orange and black, we've got you covered either way. We've also got hoodies, um, black, white, and gray. So, you know, it's still a little chilly out here in Southern California or judging based off of our ad rate, it's still very cold in other parts of the country. Um, also watching the news. So maybe a hoodie would help. Uh, and you could also support our show there. Uh, so that's at crashthepond.com slash shop. Um, make sure to check us out on social media at Crash the Pond on Twitter, uh, Crash the Pond on Facebook. Just search us there. Jake is on Twitter at ReindeerGames91. Make sure to give him a follow. And uh, I'm also on Twitter, I suppose, at Felix underscore Sicard. So that will do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Hope that you are hanging in there in what is a, a tough season, but there are better days ahead. And we will talk to you at the next podcast. Have a great week. Bye.